Santa Cruz, and online at kpfa.org. Stay tuned for Cover to Cover with Jennifer Stone. Pedro Reyes is my engineer today, and aha, we will we will find our Berthold Brecht theme next Tuesday. Today is March the twenty eighth, two thousand and seventeen. Okay, stones throw, stones throw. What am I throwing myself into? Spring, spring has sprung for sure. No stopping time. Yes, March 28th is a date I honor every year. My mother died on this day. Seventy years ago, I was thirteen. Thirteen years later, my first child was born. Today is, of course, his birthday, so... Let's see, he must be 57 years old. Mother died when she was 44, so my son Paul is now 13 years older than mother was when she died. When Paul was 13, he played Pop Warner football and his hair was just like mother's. Both of them had these huge heads of golden, golden curls. Naturals, we called them then and now. Too curly to comb through, you know, couldn't comb them straight. Ah, the wheel has come full circle. Time passes. Doesn't it? Oh, well, nostalgia ain't what it used to be. <laughs> I try to think in generations. History happens. Not time, of course. Time is just a circle, circle, right. Uh, I made a list of so many books and films and plays uh, way back in February, and we had that marathon. Uh, I did it for African American History Month, you know, February, the shortest month, would you believe? Uh, anyway, I didn't have a chance to use it. I guess I'll save it for next Tuesday because I want to jump right to my most, most favorite um, black writer, James Baldwin. Uh, yep, yep, time, time, art has moved on. Yeah, I will say Moonlight and Fences and all those books and plays. I'll put that aside. I'm looking here at the, uh, the article 
the article about James Baldwin that you can find in the New York Review of Books for March 23rd. Yes, March 23rd. I think, I think the best part of it um, is about uh, this new movie. It's a great movie. It's called I Am Not Your Negro. I'm looking here for Baldwin's essays. Indeed, indeed. Aha, here they are. Ah. Now, I Am Not Your Negro is uh, on the boards right now, and it's a documentary. It's the best synthesis of James Baldwin I have seen to date. My favorite scrap of Baldwin is, of course, that incredible lecture when he debated William F. Buckley, the great conservative. That was one for the ages. Uh, Anyway, this new documentary is made by Raoul Peck, P-E-C-K, Raoul Peck. I am not your Negro. And he says uh, in this article, the article is by Daryl Pinckney, P-I-N-C-K-N-E-Y. Daryl Pinckney, 23 March, New York Review of Books. He says, nothing breaks the spell cast by James Baldwin in Raoul Peck's I Am Not Your Negro. One of the things that makes Peck's documentary so intense as a portrait of Baldwin, the engaged black writer, is that there are no talking heads. That is, no people like me to tell you what to think, you know. Uh, Anyway, um, no, no judgments from modern writers and folks telling anecdotes. It's all, uh, his own words. It's his public self, yet somehow it is deeply personal. Let's see, what else does Daryl Pinckney have to say? Uh, yep, he says, footage from 50 years ago. There's a lot of that. MLK, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Harry Belafonte, uh, <laughs> the head of a white citizens council. That's the funniest. And J. Edgar Hoover, all of them talking to the camera. Rail, uh, Yale philosophy professor Paul Weiss is a fellow guest with Baldwin on the Dick Cavett show. And he, he doesn't know what hit him. Mm. I remember, I remember that. I remember the first times uh, Baldwin turned up on my television set at home. I think one of the first times my in-laws were sitting there. I I have to say, they sure didn't know what hit them. Absolutely stunned. Uh, his words, yes, his words. Anyway, this article goes on to say a lot of things about the wonderful black and white footage of Harlem in the late 1950s and early 1960s. And Baldwin's words about missing his family while he lived in France. Uh... Let's see. The film hasn't got much in the way of biography. I've seen some footage of Baldwin's brother that was very interesting. Uh, Anyway, it's not structured chronologically. Uh, I have a footnote here. Baldwin uh, 
Baldwin's brother is actually only his half-brother. Uh, I don't know whether it's in most of his uh, biographies, but uh, Baldwin's mother uh, was pregnant with him when she married the man who became his stepfather, father. Uh, he calls him always um, his father. He says that his father told him that he... Jimmy Baldwin was the ugliest N-word he had ever seen. And he said he was so much afraid of his father. His fear was so deep that he has never been afraid of anything or anyone since. Right. Go all the way with the first one. Uh, I see that in my notes and in this article, the N-word is used in... uh, Many ways. I think what I will do is I will just say N because I'm not allowed, <laughs> not allowed to use the word. Oh, what have we come to? There we are again. Uh, anyway, Baldwin was over in France when most of the action was happening here in the 60s. Uh, actually, uh, Let's see, there's a shot in the documentary of Letter from a Region of My Mind. It's one of, it's the longer essay in The Fire Next Time. Uh, it appeared in The New Yorker in 1962, which means I've got it somewhere. Right. Uh, now, yes. Uh, Letter from a Region of My Mind. Now, I know I have The Fire Next Time. That's sitting next to my, next to my, um, bookcase uh anyway this filmmaker's commitment to baldwin's voice is total not just anyone can hold your attention for two hours which is perhaps why it does not matter how much the viewer does or does not know about james baldwin in other words this is a good movie to start studying baldwin with i would recommend uh, a biographical novel uh, Baldwin wrote, I don't know why, um, it's not as popular as it should be. It's called Go Tell It on the Mountain. There was a film made about that movie, Baldwin's early years in Harlem. Alfre Woodard was in it. Uh, I saw it at the Pacific Fo- Film Archive long ago. Alfre Woodard's role was that of Baldwin's father, let's see, she was his mistress somewhere in the South. Interesting. Got to find that movie, that film made from Go Tell It on the Mountain. It's all about Baldwin's, um, it is that uh, exodus from the church. She was in the pulpit till he was 17, and then he decided that uh, that was not for him. But as he said, if he hadn't been in the church, he would have been in the streets. And so it was probably a good idea. And besides, that way he had the King James Bible to <laughs> to practice on. Uh, this article in the New York Review of Books goes on to say that everything is interesting and moving and how his face is expressive and his diction so original and precise and his accent and so on. Uh, his way of speaking in these rapid clause 
blusters. He sounds like Leslie Howard, the romantic British actor of the 1930s. Really? Oh, my gosh. Leslie Howard? Well, uh, <laughs> I, I guess, you know, we see things not as they are, but as we are. And Daryl Pinkney thinks that Baldwin sounded like Leslie Howard. Yes, Ashley Wilkes. You remember Ashley Wilkes in Gone with the Wind? I don't think so. Uh, isn't it strange the way people react and respond to actors and anyway Peck the filmmaker goes on to show how riveting Baldwin's writing is like his speaking voice it's tough dark vulnerable moody how inspired is his ear hmm <laughs> That's certainly not Leslie Howard. Anyway, this documentary, I Am Not Your Negro, is divided into sections. The screen will say, paying my dues, heroes, witness, purity, selling the Negro, so on. Each section is composed of the same elements, old and new clips of police confrontations, shots of city streets at night, riverbanks, views of skies as seen through the trees of different places where the restless Baldwin traveled. I loved some of the things that Baldwin wrote about Turkey. Never thought I wanted to go to Turkey until I read what he had to say. Ah, yes indeed. I think, I think that the blues, the blues is the best here, but uh, there's a lot of stuff. Uh, show tunes, right, show tunes. And there is some music written for the film. Uh, it's written by Alexei uh, Igu. I cannot pronounce that name. A-I-G-U-I. Alexei Igu wrote the music for the film. And uh, it all comes together, says this reviewer, uh, as a general emotional... Uh, intense tale. Uh, he says that the reason for this is not just Baldwin's language, but of course his personality. Anyway, we hear Baldwin apologizing for sounding like an Old Testament prophet. Now, this is not uh, all Baldwin's uh, voice. Most of the voiceover is done by Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, let's see, he reads these long passages from Baldwin, but it's very slow and unhurried. He, he starts with a letter that Baldwin wrote in the early summer of 1979 to his agent. At that time, he proposed a book he wanted to call Remember This House. The book would examine the lives of the three black martyrs of the freedom struggle, Medgar Evers, Malcolm X, and Martin Luther King. He meant to write, well, he wanted a, a portrait of the South. He wanted to journey back to the South and his own painful memories and concentrating on the years from 1955. Okay, the years when... 
we first heard of Reverend King ending with King's death in 1968. Uh, now, the filmmaker Peck tells us that Baldwin left only 30 pages of notes on this proposed book. Uh, if the film has some information that Peck thinks the viewer needs, he, he imparts it by means of uh, a typewriter noise, and then he puts white letters on a black screen. It's wonderful the way typewriters are now serving the purpose that handwriting used to you used to be you know made it personal if you had a typewriter it was personal anyway uh peck composed his script by drawing from some of baldwin's uncollected writings and maybe sometimes a bit from the fire next time and uh bits from two extended essays no name in the street that's 1972 and the devil finds work 1976 uh you can find those in baldwin's collected essays in the beginning of the film peck juxtaposes smoky black and white and then technicolor footage of baldwin he uses high resolution still photographs of the Black Lives Matter demonstrations. A line from Baldwin heard later in the film is about how history is not the past, history is the present. Oh, yes, we all know. That's Faulkner, I think. Past isn't dead. Uh, past isn't dead, right. Uh, past isn't gone. Hell, it isn't even past. I think that's it. Anyway, uh, we know that it just accumulates uh just keeps keeps piling up uh he connects the filmmaker connects what is going on today with what baldwin was protesting decades ago of course his urgency certainly has a point he says has a point uh you know how that goes uh nothing changes uh except the costumes. I always like to say, history doesn't repeat itself, just the people do. Uh, anyway, uh, they use the clips from Ferguson, Missouri, and the protests from decades ago, and then they use, uh, well, lines from No Name in the Street, when Baldwin recalls the fall of 1956 when he was living in Paris and he saw that it was time to come home, to come back and get involved. Um, here's what Baldwin wrote in 1956. Facing us on every newspaper kiosk on that wide tree-shaded boulevard, it's Paris, were photographs of Dorothy Counts, 15-year-old high school girl being reviled and spat upon by the mob as she was making her way to school in Charlotte, North Carolina. There was unutterable pride, tension, and anguish in that girl's face as she approached the halls of learning. Yes, history, history was jeering at her back. It made me feel furious, Baldwin writes. 
Uh, it filled me with both hatred and pity. It made me ashamed. Some one of us should have been there with her. It was on that bright afternoon that I knew I was leaving France. I could simply no longer sit around in Paris discussing the Algerian and the black American problem. Everybody else was paying their dues. It was time I went home and paid mine. Uh, anyway, uh, he goes on to talk a great deal about Dorothy Counts. I remember those of us here <laughs> in California, we said, well, we, we thought the president should go down there and take that girl by the hand and walk into the... Uh, Walk into the school with her, yes. Uh, the film shows the faces of the white boys taunting her. All those familiar uh, images, documentaries. And, uh, the deputies prodding King and Abernathy, pushing them onto the pavement with their batons. That's Selma, Selma, right, uh... A black man shoved up against a wall in Watts, 1965. He gets in a blow at a surprised cop. But he's answered by three or four wildly swinging batons. They are swinging again in 1992. You remember beating Rodney King. Uh, <laughs> same old, same old, folks. Uh, and then, yes, I think I said before, Ferguson, Missouri... I am not your Negro climaxes in what are probably mug shots of the Scarsboro Boys from 1931. Those were young men who were uh, falsely imprisoned. Ah, ha, ha, ah. Scottsboro Boys. Then the film leads into recent images of police struggling with black men and assaulting black women uh we see the faces and names of recent child victims of police killings those fade in and fade out uh the strongest or one of the strongest features of peck's film is uh, the ordinary white people their violent resistance to integration in the 1950s and 60s in the course of the film we see howling young white males, some mere boys carrying signs painted with swastikas, tracking the demonstrators, howling as the National Guard uh, is shown escorting black schoolchildren through that gauntlet of angry faces in Little Rock. Uh, okay, a shocking sequence shows white men attacking what must be lunch counter sit-in protesters. The color footage, Technicolor, is from 1960 or 61. <laughs> that violence has not been choreographed. It's sudden and raw. The hatred of black people is out there. The unguarded face of the South contrasts with images that play when Jackson is reading what Baldwin has to say about the myths and the ignorance reinforced by our American Cinema. <laughs> One of my favorite scenes in that old picture of uh, uh, Go Tell It on the Mountain shows a, oh, about a 12-year-old 
James Baldwin, a little boy, he's got the money from his mom to go to the movies. And it shows him sitting there watching Betty Davis in Of Human Bondage. You remember those scenes when she's yelling at Leslie Howard? I wonder what that boy uh, might have made of that. Now, The Devil Finds Work is an essay that's also a memoir of Baldwin's childhood and youth. And it has reflections on the films that uh, made an impression on him. This is the real stuff, not the movie stuff. Jackson's voiceover says... uh, I was with my mother or my aunt, and I went to the movie Dance Fools Dance. Suddenly, there she is, dancing away with her long legs in that 1931 film. Aha, Joan Crawford. (laughs) He goes on to say that uh, while he was aware, certainly aware that Joan Crawford was a white lady, uh... I remember, he says, I remember being sent to the store sometime later, and a colored woman, who to me looked exactly like Joan Crawford, she was there buying something, and she was so incredibly beautiful and looked down at me with so beautiful a smile that I was not even embarrassed, which was rare for me. Now, that's the darndest thing, you see, comes through in all Baldwin's writing, how much he loves America and American culture. Even with all its, uh, what, horrors, hypocrisies, uh, gosh, the movies, the movies, uh, and he, he's led, guided by a mentor, school teacher, Orilla Miller, Richard Wrighthead, one of those white school teachers. <laughs> they always turn up in these bios, uh, in, The Devil Finds Work. Baldwin describes this woman. I have read elsewhere that this was a gay school teacher. Uh, Baldwin wrote, She gave me books and talked to me about the books and about the world and about Spain and Ethiopia and Italy and the German Third Reich. She took me to see plays and films, plays and films to which no one else would have dreamed of taking a ten-year-old boy. It is certainly partly because of her that I never really managed to eat white people. Although God knows, I have often wished to murder more than one or two. I have another footnote here. One of my favorite stories is the one in which uh, James Baldwin is taken to see Othello's Voodoo Macbeth, they called it, an all-black cast performed Macbeth <laughs> from from Miss Miller he writes I began to suspect that white people did not act as they did because they were white but for some other reason and I began to try to locate and understand the reason she too Miss Miller She, too, was treated like an N, especially by the cops. (laughs) She had no love for landlords. I was thinking here another footnote. Yoko Ono had one of my favorite lines using the N-word. Yoko Ono wrote that woman, woman, 
is the end of the world. Uh, anyway, this article is quite lengthy. It goes on once again. It's the 23rd March issue of the New York Review of Books. And, uh, oh gosh, I don't have time to read you all this stuff about Uncle Tom's cabin. It's all confused, you know. Uh, we needed James Baldwin to help us to get our heads above water and see this thing for what it really was. I think I'll, I'll do more of James Baldwin next Tuesday. His books are uh, my text, my uh, uh, graduate work. This has been Jennifer Stone. Till next week at this same time, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadow. No Vijay Prashad. You really should. Prashad is an Indian historian, journalist, Marxist, professor of international studies at Trinity College. He's a harsh critic of American foreign policy, of Israel, and its actions toward Palestinians. The author of 17 books, Prashad, is also an advisory board member of the U.S. Campaign for the Academic and Cultural Boycott of Israel. KPFA will present a gloriously outspoken evening with Vijay Prashad on Sunday, April 30th at First Presbyterian Church in Berkeley. That's 2407 Dana, 730 p.m. This KPFA benefit has wheelchair access. Flashpoints, Dennis J. Bernstein will host. Get tickets at brownpapertickets.com or indie bookstores. April 30th, the gloriously outspoken Vijay Prashad.